Hi, folks. Welcome to episode 99 of the Wealth on Any Income podcast. This is where we talk about money tips, techniques, attitudes, information, and provide inspiration around your business and your money. I'm your host, Rennie Gabriel. In past episodes, we spoke about how to understand the numbers from your business, how to measure the level of pleasure based on where you spend your money, how to track your money in five to 10 seconds, what determines how close you are to complete financial choice, and how to run your business without being in your business. And last week, we had Sam Wilson talking about buying commercial real estate. Today, we have as our guest, Mike Michalowicz. Mike is the author of Profit First, with the subtitle, How to Transform Your Business from a Cash-Eating Monster to a Money-Making Machine, and the author of three other books, including The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. He's a former columnist for The Wall Street Journal, a TEDx speaker, and a popular keynote speaker. And his columns have appeared in Entrepreneur and the Harvard Business Review. Mike, welcome to the Wealth on Any Income podcast. Randy, it's a joy to be with you. Thanks for the invite. Oh, thank you. Well, let's get right to it with some questions. So uh, you talk about business and how it can create profits, um, but why do you do what you do? Oh, yeah, I'm on a very clear, I guess, mission is the right word for myself. I remember once I was with a friend and we were walking through a campus. I was going to speak there. And uh, he pointed to a classroom and said, oh, there's the best student. And I ignored him the first time in the second classroom. He goes, oh, there's the best student. And I'm like, who are you pointing to? The person up front, the one taking the most notes? He said, no, no, the teacher. The teacher is always the best student. I was like, oh, yes. It's interesting. The, the stuff we teach is the stuff I think we need to learn. So I write about business subjects because it's a passion of mine. Um, I also own businesses. But this is the stuff I need to learn. And when I discover something, like a profit first, for example, and it works in my own businesses, I want to share with everyone else that could benefit from it. That makes so much sense. And I agree completely. I've been teaching at UCLA for over a quarter century. And Best I student, learned, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I learn more from the students than yeah. I do for from you know anything I've done on my own. So I'm one of the students and one of the best ones because I got yeah, for sure. 30 people feeding me new stuff. Yeah. Yep. And you have to be masterful in order to share. So we yeah. dig in the deepest into the material. We understand it more than anyone else. You know, a student may read a book once, may they skim through it. The professor maybe reads it a hundred times to see the nuances and the elements that they can leverage. Yeah. And studying it and testing and making sure those things work. Right. Perfect. So, well, now um, I donate a hundred percent of the profits from the work I do to charity. So I lead by example. So let, tell me about a cause that's important to you and what they do. Yeah. Well, there's two things going on right now. The long-term contribution is to Kiva. Kiva is an organization. Uh, yes. For, well, you're, okay, you're familiar with I, that, I'm so. familiar, but please, our listening audience might not. Maybe it's new. Okay. So these are entrepreneurs throughout the globe, usually in positions where they don't have access to funds and they want to start a business, often with a very meager budget. Someone needs a hundred US dollars to uh, purchase and feed their first cow and they're going to sell milk. So you have very fundamental businesses, but these are entrepreneurs. And um, what's interesting about their organization is the donations you make, uh, they, aren't, they aren't grants to these individuals. These are loans and they have to have a process to pay it back. And then the money's refunded to someone else. So it keeps this upward spiral going. Um, but most recently I've been involved in supporting uh, 
individuals in, in Ukraine, um, specifically in the city of Lviv, it's, it's kind of the great last city to the West Coast where people who are escaping the horrors of war uh, have lost, in many cases, their husband. And so these are women and children. This is a landing pad for them temporarily before they can exit the country. And uh, I and others have contributed to helping put up buildings there uh, for temporary housing, food and supplies for these people. Oh, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing and bless you for that. Um, let's Now we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the business kind of stuff. Who would you say are your target markets? Well, the community I serve, I call the, the market uh, micro-enterprises. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the term small you, business- You mean aside from, from Kiva you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> aside from Kiva. But, you know, the, the term small business gets kind of confused. Um, small business, uh, defined by the SBA as a company that does $25 million in revenue or less. That's absolutely my company. Perhaps it's yours. It's probably many of the listeners. Um, but when I meet small businesses, they say they're big business. They say, well, I'm doing 500,000. I'm a big business now, or I'm doing 2 million. I'm a big business. So under the qualifications, according to the SBA, they're, they're small. Um, but when I explain microenterprises, most people see that as a sub-million dollar company. And that's really my sweet spot. Um, I work with, and I actually own a business that, that's a multiple of that. Um, but, but I love that market because often if you're a sub-million, you start the business yourself. That means you're likely not funded. Um, you likely have a handful of employees. Maybe you're a million. You have like two or three employees or maybe four. And uh, you're looking to grow perhaps beyond that. The other thing too is I also am really helping people. I want to help people that are seeking their joy, not size. I don't think bigger is better. And it's promoted a lot. Like, you know, become the next X, fill in the blank, Amazon. Yeah. And I don't know. I think we should be the first us and you fill that in, you know, what, what resonates with you. And I'm trying to help entrepreneurs live a life of joy and one that brings them the financial viability, personal freedom that they are seeking. Thank you. And one of the things that I respect is that you have actually used uh, your books to build a business. And I know you've created an organization of uh, accountants around the country yeah. who follow your uh, profit first concepts to help more and more clients. So it's really, you've tossed a, a pebble in the, in the water and it is expanding beautifully. Yeah. And hopefully the wind catches it and those ripples become waves. So uh, I actually have written now eight business books. I have a new one just releasing pretty soon. And for, for five of them, I have uh, entered partnerships. Profit First is one, but for the other books too. And what we do is we offer either a membership organization to empower and Profit first case, accountants and bookkeepers to teach the methodology and become certified in it. In other cases, it's just an educational platform. So one of my books is called Clockwork. We have an educational platform that teach people how to bring efficiencies to their business. And what I think is working for this model for me is I'm not a great one-on-one -on -one teacher, far from it, but I, I think I'm a, an effective author and that's where my joy is. So I write books. I like to do public speaking. And, uh, and cheerlead the business along. And that's basically my three competencies. <laughs> the other stuff I'm, I'm weak at, I've partnered with people who are great educators, who are great at running organizations. And collectively, we've built something that uh, hopefully is turning ripples into weight. And, and it's funny too, because the quote I created was, wealth creation is a team sport, not a mm. solo sport. And so what you're talking about is bringing in the people who are experts in other areas. And that's the team approach. And that's what really creates a I love lot that. of success. I love that. Yeah. You know, even in my little author business here, there's 
now nine employees and I'm the 10th. So 10 employees collectively. And we've been able to have extraordinary impact, I believe, uh, in excess of many of our contemporaries because of the team effort. I think, particularly with authors, it's it's often a one-person endeavor. Yep. I think, I, you know, I admire like a Stephen King, and I, but I envision Stephen King as he just writes a book and he puts it out there and it changes the world and he goes in his cabin and writes the next book. When I explored even like a Stephen King, oh, he's got about 50 people around him, and the editorial teams, the marketing teams, all these people. And that's the reason his books continue to be so successful. No question. He's the inspiration. He's yes. an extraordinary talent, but that talent would go left abandoned if he didn't have a structure that's supporting him. I'm so glad you brought up that example because I often talk about the difference between a visionary and an execution master yeah. in, in growing a business. And yes. Stephen is would be the visionary, visionary and he's got a team of people who are executing on that vision. That's right. That's right. Even here at our office, I consider myself the visionary. And, and I also use, use another term called codifier. I'm able to take ideas and kind of accumulate them and assemble them. Um, but I'm really poor at, at being the executor behind it. Now, here's the funny thing is I think I'm good at it, but I really know I'm not. I think, oh, I have an idea. I can see this through. But I so oversimplify the execution in my head that I abandon it usually only partially baked. <laughs> so we have the, the integrator here. Her name is Kelsey. She's the president of our company. And she'll take these myriad ideas I have, package them down to the few that complement each other, and then empower our team to play them out. An idea I think that can take 10 minutes probably takes 10 weeks. And uh, she has the wherewithal to, to put that plan in place and ensure that we execute on it, but also to discard my countless ideas that are, are not of value. Yeah, absolutely right. And um, there was a book I read recently called 4,000 Weeks. Oh, I haven't heard that. Yeah, it, um, it, it says it's time management for mortals. Ha! And one of the things, and it's funny too, because I taught some of these concepts years ago in a program, but there's three to-do lists that you can have. And one of them is a to-do now. Another is to-do later. And the third is to do never. Mm. It sounds like Kelly makes sure you get some items on the to do never list. Yeah, yeah. It's the majority of my list. <laughs> you know, the nice thing though is she allows me to express them so they don't stay bottled up. In the past, I would just have these ideas in my head and I'd sit on them and it would become a distraction. What was the idea? Now I'm able to expel them and we play with them. And some of those ideas spawn new ideas, many of them are discarded. Either way, I feel relief because I've been able to express them and seek out new ideas. Beautiful. Well, let me ask you a little bit more on the personal side questions. What would you say was your biggest failure, whether it was personal or business? And then what was your insight from that? Well, to me, it's very clear because this, this changed the trajectory of my, my life and, and triggered my work as an author was I lost everything. So just to kind of set the stage is I built a couple of businesses. I started my first one in my early 20s, right after college. And I was able to sell two companies consecutively. I had a private equity exit, mm. I had a Fortune 500 acquisition. Robert Half International bought one of my companies. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, Rainey, I was so full of myself. I was like, I am a genius. I am so great. I'm just going to keep doing this. So I started a third business as an angel investor. I didn't know what I was doing. I actually call myself the angel of death. I was so bad <laughs> at it. I was actually destroying businesses. And I remember my bank account depleting so rapidly. And logically, I could see the account dwindling, but emotionally couldn't accept it. I was like, oh, 
I sold businesses before, this one will sell too, or someone will swoop in and buy this, or the big opportunity is just around the corner, but it wasn't. And at the end of the day, I wiped out all of my business finances. I wiped out all of my personal finances. I lost my home as a result. Um, I lost everything except for my family. And I remember the, the wake up call was I had to come home and say, we're losing our house. We lost it 30 days later. And I was sh- my wife and children were shocked because I had lied to them up to that point by omission. Everything's fine. I got yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my daughter ran to her bedroom, grabbed her piggy bank, came back to me. I'll never forget. She goes, daddy, if you can't support our family. I'll start doing it. And, uh, <sighs> oh, it was, geez. it was the gut punch. It was the gut punch of the century, but it was a wake up call. I am ashamed and embarrassed about that because it, it just pointed to how ignorant I was about finances. I thought I knew everything and I knew nothing. Today I realize I know less than 1% of what entrepreneurship really is. And that's why now I'm so committed to learning and sharing what I discover. So it became a transformative moment, moment but it's my biggest failure in life. Thank you. And, and the beauty of that is your family, your daughter who comes to you with her piggy bank to help out. Um, yeah, she was nine years old at the time. And uh, it's funny, she's now 23 years old. And I, uh, I met with her recently. She's actually just just started working for our company. Uh, uh-huh. she, she worked for another business. And then uh, uh, our president interviewed her and brought her on board. It feels like nepotism, I swear. Yeah, that's not the intent. <laughs> but she came on and uh, I said, hey, remember that day when you put the piggy bank in front of me? I, that, I, I remember to the moment, so vivid. And she goes, what are you talking about? And first of all, that was hurtful. Um, that she couldn't remember such a pivotal moment. But then I realized, oh, for me, that was a pivotal moment. For her, that was her nature. Someone struggling, their family, help them out. Give away your life savings, your piggy bank savings. I think that was also a big awareness I needed, that the moments that define us aren't the same moments that define others. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. That was pivotal for you and nothing to her. Yeah, normal for her. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, let me ask you this. I'm sure people who are listening will want to get a hold of you, whether they go out and buy the books or whatever, but is there some valuable free resource they can find to connect with you or you to connect yeah. with them? Yeah. Thank you for offering that. So uh, I used to write for the Wall Street Journal and uh, I have 10 of my best performing articles that you can buy through the Wall Street Journal or you can get them through my website. So I did set up a website. It's mikemotorbike.com. You can Mike, actually go to MikeMichalowitz.com, but no one can spell Michalowitz. Right. So it's like, oh, I'll leverage a nickname from grade school, which was Mike Motorbike, which, by the way, is the only G-rated nickname I got. The other ones <laughs> are so obscene. <laughs> so thank God I bought that domain. So MikeMotorbike.com, you go there, um, click on the free resource button. It's the first thing you'll see. And you can get uh, all these free articles that I wrote for Wall Street Journal. And what they are about uh, is, is instant, impactful hacks, I don't like that word so much, but that you can employ in your business. How to, for example, make it profitable, but how to hire when hiring is so hard like it is now. Those type of things, all available for free. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mike. Um, I know my listeners will appreciate that because you know stuff that's free is, is great. And these Impactful sounds like articles that'll, you know, if someone uses them, can transform what they're that's, up that's to. That's the idea. That's yeah. That's the idea. And well, last question, is there a question I should have asked you that would also give some great value to those who are listening? Sure. Um, I, I think uh, kind of the, the what's next question for any of us, if we want to uh, transform our business, what do we do next? And I think the mistake most entrepreneurs make 
is we try to fix everything in our business. We try to transform everything in our lives. So the analogy I use is a chain. So Rini, if there was a chain between me and you, so this is all the way from Los Angeles to New York City, and our job is to make it stronger, the mistake would be trying to fix every single link. Oh, I'm fixing everything. It won't be stronger until we, by happenstance, find the weakest link and fix that one. So instead, first spend thoughtful time on what is the choke point in your business or your life. That's the weakest link. If you just improve that one link, one link in that huge long chain between here and Los Angeles, New York and Los Angeles, we improve that. The entire strength that chain has been elevated now, the next weakest link. When we fix that, it gets elevated again. The sequence of how we do things is absolutely critical. And as I focus on entrepreneurs, um, sadly, most entrepreneurs just fix the next thing they see. They're fixing yeah. every link. Take the time to be thoughtful on what's choking your business now. Make that link stronger. And your entire business will take a leap. That, that's so great from the standpoint of the importance of sequence Yes, in finding yes. the weakest link, then the next one, and not just whatever's in front of you. That's right. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for being on the Wealth on Any Income podcast. Rini, thanks for having me. And congratulations on the 99th episode. I know 100 is right around the corner. I'm so excited for you. Thank you so much. And to my listeners, thank you for tuning in. Next week, we're going to have yours truly doing the 100th podcast episode, and I'll be speaking about the three secrets of the wealthy that took me from a broke 50-year-old to a multimillionaire in eight years, and that's what allows me to donate 100% of my profits from my books and programs to charity. You can listen to the Wealth on Any Income podcast on your favorite platform, and please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you'd like to know how books movies, and society programs you to be poor and what the cure is, then log on to wealthonanyincome.com forward slash TEDx. You'll hear my TEDx talk and can request a free 27-page roadmap to complete financial choice and receive a weekly email with tips, techniques, or inspiration around your business or your money. And if you'd like to see how you can increase your wealth and donate to the causes to touch your heart, please check out our affordable program, Wealth with Purpose, on the wealthonanyincome.com website. Until next week, this is Rennie Gabriel requesting you to be prosperous. Bye-bye for now.